This morning I have a message for, uh, for you and I that I entitled, Built to Last. Built to Last. What do you think of uh, when, when you hear those words, built to last? Um, someone, someone had mentioned to me uh, uh, bringing up a certain, a certain manufacturer of automobiles. Um, but I don't want to get into that whole, you know, discussion uh, this morning as to which automobile is the best. I don't even have, <laughs> I heard Honda. <laughs> I don't even have a favorite. So whatever, whatever you believe is, then there you go. It was built to last. But when, when you think of things that were built to last, you know, we, we think of things that have been around for so, so long. Uh, you think of you think of um, uh, the Egyptian pyramids. These things have been around for over 4,000 years. Built over 4,000 years ago. I think of the, the movie The Gladiator. I think of the Roman Colosseum. Almost 2,000 years ago, this Colosseum was built. You know, some of us, you know, our homes are, you know, 50, 60, you know, 80, maybe 100 years old. And we see, we see the deterioration taking place, right? You see things that are, that are going by the wayside. Things you need to take care of, right? Take care of those issues. And we think, and we think man, it isn't even that old. And here you have monuments and structures that have been up 2,000, 4,000 years and still standing. You think, how is that possible? This next one here, I came across this. It's called the Centennial Bulb. Uh, this bulb is currently housed in a firehouse in the city of Livermore, California. Now you think, well, what's... What's so great about this bulb here? I've seen many bulbs like that in Home Depot. Uh, this, is a, this is an actual snapshot that was taken, that I took from a live webcam that they have put up. Uh, I took this yesterday. This is yesterday's snapshot. You'll see the date there. And, and maybe you, you're, th you're still thinking, well, okay, so get to the point, Pastor. This bulb has been burning since 1901. Yeah, 1901, 120 years this bulb has been burning. Now, I don't know about you, but that bulb was built to last. You know, we have, we have light bulbs in our houses that, you know, it seems like we're replacing every other month. You know, you buy, a, you buy, you know, now they have the LED bulbs, and on the box they'll say, you know, it'll last you about 10 to 12 years, maybe even 15, is the, box, the boxes say. Well, who is going to keep track of that? You know, you don't, you don't buy a bulb uh, and then, and then you, know, you know, write it down in your calendar and make sure that you get 10 years out of it, make sure you get 15 years out of it. You forget all about it. You have no idea when you bought it. That bulb can go out next year and you'll never even realize because you don't, you don't remember even buying the bulb. So they can tell you whatever they want to tell you, right? I look at that and I think, wow, a 
120 years. How is that even possible? We think of things that are built to last. I think of automobiles. I'm sure you were thinking the same thing when I said built to last. You know, I think of the way automobiles are built nowadays in comparison to, you know, maybe 50, 60, 70 years ago, you know, and even further. They were built to last. That's why you see so many of these automobiles still on the street. Why? Because they're, they, were, they were built with such quality that you were able to preserve the item with just a little work, a little elbow grease, right? A little time, a little money, some blood, sweat, and tears. And you got it to where it is, it is still going. But the cars nowadays, they're, they seem like they're just all plastic, and I understand, I understand the cars are made nowadays to absorb the impact of a collision. Believe me, I get it. But what I'm saying is that these automobiles nowadays are not built to last. I think, I really, really think that they're built to last only as long as you're paying for that vehicle. Isn't that what it seems like sometimes? Like as soon as you make that last payment, you know, everything just starts going wrong. And you're like, man, I thought I was going to get a lot more years out of this. Well, it is not made as the same as it used to be made. And this is what we have. We have on those cars, we have bumpers that, you know, you see cars going down the street in these, in these newer cars, and their bumpers are hanging off the car. You know, some of these guys have, have uh, tape holding bumpers up. You'll see these things. You'll see on a certain make of car, and I see this a lot on the back over the, over the license plate, uh, uh, they have that part always taped on the car, and you probably know what make that is. I won't even say it. Well, you know what? Yeah, no, the Scions. They're always falling off. If you got one, you probably know. They don't pay me. <laughs> but they're made so cheap. The quality isn't really good. And I think about all these things. I think about my, my kids' toys, how easily these toys get broken. Where back in the day, toys were like metal. They were, they were made to endure a child's roughhousing, right? They understood what a child can do to something. I think nowadays everyone just forgot how, how vicious these children can be. <laughs> But they do it for a reason. Why? So that you can keep buying them. Because they're going to break them the first day they get them. But guess what you're going to do as a parent? Oh, I guess i got to buy another one. So there you go. There you go, spending your cash. But back in the day, it was made to last. You still have them now, I'm sure. They were die cast. Impossible to break. You see, when you... Look at all these things that I've just mentioned. You, one thing comes to mind, and that's the material that was used. The differences in the quality of these items is the material. On one side, you have metal. You have cast iron. You have, you know, die cast. You have things that will last. 
Then on the flip side, you have plastic. See, plastic was meant to be thrown away once it's damaged. Gone. Get, get, get a new one. Replace it. A lot of these innards now of items are plastic. I heard this morning that even, you know, for the women, that even curling irons are even made cheaper nowadays. Are they? Yes? No? Maybe so? And you think of what is on the inside. Everything is plastic now. Everything just falls apart. And I understand manufacturing cost is the reason for a lot of these things as well. It's too expensive to create things the way they used to be created. And I asked the question this morning, what are you and I made of? What are you made of? I see some flexing muscles. Good. You know, you're, you know you were made strong, right? You were built tough. You were built by the creator himself. See, I asked this question, does, does God or is God creating human beings different or cheaper quality nowadays than he was, say, 2,000 years ago? Is he? I don't think so. See, I, don't, I know that God isn't affected by inflation in the world. God isn't affected by manufacturing cost. You know, God isn't, God isn't creating humans and saying, oh, you know what, you know, everything just went up, and, you know, we're, we're, you know we got a shortage of this and this, and so, hey, <laughs> what you got is what you got. I'm sorry. We didn't have enough. We didn't have enough for you. <laughs> That's not how God's creating people nowadays. The Bible says that we are all made in the likeness of God. We are all created in his likeness. We are all built to last. That's a beautiful thing. See, God took time and made sure that, that he, he put forth by showing us the quality and the excellence that he put forth in creating you and I. What you see in the mirror is quality. What you, what you see in the mirror is excellence. What you see in the mirror is a marvelous masterpiece. So those mornings, those mornings that, you know, you get discouraged by, you know, you thought you were going to see someone else in that mirror. Don't get discouraged. God knew what he was doing. God, God created that person for a reason. He created you with those looks for a reason. God has great plans for you and I. See, we all have what it takes to last. Every day, you and I are building our lives. Every day, by the choices that we make, whether it be godly choices in our lives or it be poor choices. Whether it's, you know, if you're, if you're someone who is, who is uh, uh, reading and learning or you choose, you know what, I'm, I, I know enough and I don't, I don't need this or that. Whether or not you are encouraging others or are you tearing people down 
We're building our lives each and every day. Are you putting God first in your life or a distant second? See, Paul believed that he was built to last. He told young Timothy this in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. You see, Paul was telling Timothy, he said, Timothy, that, that was a time that I, wasn't, that I wasn't doing the call of God in my life. I thought I was. I thought I was pursuing God, and I thought I was doing his work, but I was, in fact, doing the opposite. I thought I was chasing after God, but instead I was, but instead I was, I was, I was hurting those children of God. And many times that could be our life. Because Paul was basically, basically saying, I was doing my own thing. And many times we, you know, we will live life like that, just doing our own thing. This was our life before Christ, wasn't it? Wasn't it just doing our own thing? And Paul tells Timothy that, that you know, in, in, in doing what he thought was right, he was passionate in that. He was all for it. Not knowing that it was, in fact, not God's will. And in our lives, when we weren't serving God, we did things passionately, didn't we? Didn't we? Yes? I know you did. Oh, you ain't got to tell me yes or no. I know you did things passionately before Christ. Because I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you know, before Christ, you know, when you, when you popped that beer can, you know, I'm sure you weren't like, oh, man, here we go, another beer. I really, I really hate drinking this stuff. I wish this could be my last. This is, bleh. you know, you didn't do that. You were like, oh man, come on, come on, bring it, bring it. You know, let's see how many I can toss down tonight, right? You did it passionately. You know, no one, no one does things like that half-heartedly. You didn't, you didn't do drugs half-heartedly. You wanted it. You needed it. You did it with passion. And this is what Paul was saying. When I was, when I was doing this before Christ, I was doing this passionately. And he says, but now that God has changed my direction in life and has brought me on the right path, he says, guess what? I'm going to do that passionately as well. I'm going to do that with everything that I have. And this is what God has called us to do. Many times in our Christianity, we get tired, and we do. But I think of when we were in the world, how many times you were just tired of partying. Oh, man, another party? Really? No, you were like, come on, man. How, how late can we stay up tonight? Right? Let's see how many days I can go without sleep. <laughs> There was passion in it. And just as Paul 
turn that passion for the world to passion for the Lord, we must do the same thing. We need to serve God with that same fervor, that same zeal. That's the only way to serve God. It's the only way. As Pastor Lee had mentioned, We don't want to be the, the body of Christ that, that is just, you know, down and out. We want to be the body of Christ that is full of life. Amen? Be full of life. And that comes from our trust and faith in the Lord, allow, allowing Him to, to operate in our lives and to supply us with everything that we need. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 22, he says, the one who stands firm till the end will be saved. So how do we do it? How do we stand firm? How can we go the distance? How do we live lives that are built to last? You see, because God is, God is giving you everything that you need. He's equipping you and I. He does this. He does this without you and I even knowing that he's giving you what you need to, to face each and every day. And so what do we do with this? How, how, can we, how can we live life to endure till the end? Let's read what it says here in Matthew 7, 24. Jesus says these words, and he says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. I want you to say with me, he who follows is wise. Just like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So what is Jesus telling us here in this scripture? Well, he's telling us exactly this. He says it's great to know God's word. I mean, oh, it was great to be here these past Three days for the summit. Great to receive all, all that God sought to pour into our lives. Good, good stuff. If you took notes, even better. See, but what Jesus says is that although it is good to know God's word, it's even greater to follow it. He says it's even greater to apply it. And this is what God seeks to do in our lives. The word that you are receiving this morning. It's good to hear the words, but it's even better when you apply it. Because then you see the blessings in your life. You see the rewards. How many know that we get rewarded through obedience? It doesn't matter how young or old you are. This, this uh, uh, remains the same throughout our lives that there are rewards and blessings through obedience. 
It's imperative that we seek to apply God's word to our everyday living. Use them as building blocks. Isaiah 43, verse 18. Here we have the Lord, the Lord speaking through Isaiah. And in remembrance of what God had did for the Israelites in bringing them out of captivity under, under Egypt and Pharaoh, and how God brought them through the Red Sea. You remember that in the Bible? God parted the Red Sea. Yes. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Can you imagine? You know, I've never seen any, any body of water parted in my life. But even if, even if I had a, a bowl of water and that water started to part, I would be amazed. I'm telling you right now, if there wasn't any fan nearby blowing that water, I would be amazed. I can't imagine what the children of Israel saw when God parted the Red Sea. I can't imagine the looks on their faces, the awe that they must have been in. I'm sure everyone's mouth was open, right? Everyone was surprised. You know it. No one was thinking like, oh, psh, yeah, no big deal. I've seen that before. <laughs> no one. And we'll read through scripture, you know, we'll read the miracles that, 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 that God did and that Jesus performed while he was here on earth. And we'll read these things and we'll just fly right by it. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, God, yeah, God part of the Red Sea, yeah. Um, you know, like, like, like it's no big deal. But I'm sure you would have had to be there to experience it in its fullness. And so God did that for the Israelites. And so God is reminding them, look, this is what I did. So here we have the conclusion here. And he says, but he says, but forget all that. God is speaking through Isaiah. He says, but forget all that. Meaning, forget what I did at the Red Sea. He says, it is nothing compared to what I am going to do. Oh, man. Wow. Are you kidding me? You just parted the Red Sea. <laughs> and you're telling me to forget about what we just saw? Forget about that because you're gonna do even greater things? If you did that and you said that you're gonna do greater things, what is next? And that's the God that we serve. That's the God that we serve here today, church. That should excite you, that should motivate you because you are a children, you are a child of God, the creator. There is no other gods. Every other god, so-called god, falls flat on their faces. And this is God demonstrating to you and I that, that he is the one and only. He is the one and only. And that's why every knee will bow down to him. Because no one can match his power. He has supreme reign, whether you allow him to or not. 
He says, but it is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. He says, for I am about to do something new. Turn to your neighbor and tell him God's doing something new. Tell him I can, I can feel it. He says, see, I have already begun. <laughs> God's been doing it and you didn't even know. Mm, that's good. That's good. That is awesome. God's been doing something new in your life and you didn't even recognize it. This is who he is, church. See, he doesn't, he doesn't wait for us, amen, to, to, to get, our, uh, uh, to get our, our, our focus right or maybe even, maybe even the attitudes, you know, or, or maybe the, 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 the lack of faith. No, God is always on the move. He's always on the move in our lives. Whether we are faithful or not, God is always on the move. He says, do you not see it? Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you need to open your eyes. He says, I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Oh, man. How many of you are expecting God to do great things in your lives? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. That means that if you are to be built to last, you need to allow God to do a new thing in you. And you think, well, who wouldn't want new things? Raise your hand if you, raise your hand if you would like new clothes. Come on, you, you, don't, you don't need to be shy or whatever. No one cares. Raise your hand if you want new clothes. All right. Raise your hand if you want a new car. Okay, all right, here's some woos. Raise your hand if you want a new house. All right, it's getting, the excitement level is going up and up and up. <laughs> I'll stop right there. I'll stop right there. Oh, you know, yeah, you know, no, come on. Get excited about, you know, about God things, amen? Not about material things. I'm just kidding. You can be excited. We all want new things. How many of you want new faith? Mm. How many of you want to see new salvations? Amen. Amen. How many of you want to see new ministries in the church? Hallelujah. How many of you want to see new churches being sent out? Amen. See, although it's nice to get these material things and, you know, yeah, you know, it's good for the moment, but it, it has no comparison to the things that God has in store for us. No comparison. And these are the things that I believe God wants to bring into our lives. A new zeal. New focus. New vision. New victories. New healings. Oh, man. Some new peace. God says, God says in, 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 in Lamentation 3.23, he says that my mercies are new every morning. I'm going to thank God for that. 
Oh, man. That means that God's kindness, his kindness and his compassion for, for people are new every single morning. So you wake up. You wake up knowing that God's compassion for you, God's kindness for you is new that very morning. Oh, God, I thank you that you love me. Lord, I thank you that you are kind to me. Lord, you have compassion for me. I thank you, Lord, that I am a child of the Most High. Lord, I thank you that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and marvelous are your works. Because the Bible says this. You see, God wants to do something new in you and I. He wants to do it. He wants it more than you and I want it, I believe. Because you and I, I don't, I don't even think, can comprehend what God has in store. I mean, if the parting of the Red Sea was nothing to God, and he says, oh, just wait and see what I have in store, then I can't even imagine what God wants to do in your, yours and mine's life. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.17, he says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a, a new person, a new creature. You become new. You've been born again, the Bible says. And not in the literal sense where you become a baby again. Come on, let's not, let's not go silly like that. But God says that you are new on the inside. You are new on the inside. You have a new beginning. Why? Because your sins are forgiven. Your past has been wiped away. He says anything, anything that you choose to walk away with, you choose to walk away with. If you want to hold on to those past hurts, then that's up to you. He says, but you don't have to. If you want to walk away with that past unforgiveness, then that's up to you, but you don't have to. If you want to walk away with that past abuse, then you choose to do it, but you don't have to. See, God wants to heal our past. He wants to bring healing. This is what God seeks to do in our lives, to heal and to restore. He says, he says, if you, if you pray and you seek my name and my face, that I will heal your land. He says this in the Bible. Many of us look out and we look out in a, 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 at a wicked land, a wicked, perverse land where church Right is wrong, and wrong is being called right. It is perverse. And God's calling his church, and he's looking, he's looking for someone to stand up for righteousness. He's looking for that, for that individual who says, no, I will not bow down. I will not bow down, Nebuchadnezzar. No way. Because my God is greater than you. You may be the king right here on earth, but I serve the king of kings. And I only bow to him. 
This is, what's God, this is what God is looking for, though. A people, a generation who, is, who does not fear what man can do, but fears what God can do. Don't allow your past experiences to rule your current behavior. Many times we do this because of past hurts, because of, because of the way maybe we've been treated growing up or over the years, things that were done to us. It has now skewed the way we behave nowadays. But that's not the way God wants you to live. God doesn't want you, God doesn't want your behavior being affected by what took place in the past. Why? Because God wants to heal the past. He wants to heal you of those things that took place previously. And see, he says he wants to make things new in your life. I believe that we want to get rid of those things in the past. I truly believe that. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess something to you this morning. Uh, I am a Buffalo Bills fan. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. I don't care if you boo. I, it don't matter to me. I don't, just don't care. <laughs> I was young. I was, you know, I was, you know, like 14 years old when they were doing really, really good. And so I jumped on the Bills bandwagon. But I stood with them ever since, you know. True, true to my team. That's right, that's right. But I remember they, they went to back-to-back Super Bowls at that time, and I was like, oh, man, yeah, this is, this is where it's at. This is where it's at. Let me, let me go ahead and, 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 and get on this wagon here. And so I was a Bills fan, and um, they ended up going to four straight Super Bowls, as I'm sure you all know, right, losing every last one of them. I'm sure every ex-player that was on that team would love, would love to get rid of those years as far as the, being the laughingstock in the NFL. I'm sure they would love to put that past behind them. But in hindsight, you got to think, they went to four straight Super Bowls. I mean, that's a feat in itself. I haven't seen any other team since do that. So there you go, Buffalo Bills. That's right, that's right, Mike. Even though he's wearing the Cowboys hat today, I, I don't get it. I don't get it, we'll, we'll pray for you, Mike. Man, whoo, that, that was a turn for the worst, right? <laughs> oh, there we go, that's good, that's good. <laughs> that was a lost bet. That's, that's all that was. I mentioned Friday morning, I believe it was, when I talked about how Moses was sharing with his father-in-law all the successes and all the victories, all the miracles that they encountered while under captivity of Pharaoh. And Moses was telling his father-in-law, and his father-in-law says this back to him. He says, he says, well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for all the successes that you had. But the words that he spoke to Moses was this. He says, but God has even greater things ahead for you. 
And if you want to achieve those things, I'm going to show you how to do so. You see, this is exactly what I'm talking about here. How, yes, you may, have, you may have had some good things take place in the past because God doesn't want us to dwell even on past successes in our lives. He wants us to move on even from those. And God was showing Moses, yes, praise the Lord that you had those past victories. Thank you, Jesus. But we need to move forward. We can't be living in the past when you had the title. We can't be living in the past when you were Super Bowl champs. We can't be living in the past when you were, when you were praying for the sick and they were getting healed. Amen? What are you going to do now? What are you doing now for God? Because you still have breath. Every single one of you here has breath. Check your neighbor's pulse. If you have breath in your lungs, then you still have things you need to do for the Lord. Some of us need God to help us more than others, right? God, you need to give me some strength. You need to give me some strength here. And he's going to do it. He's faithful. He's faithful, church. You see, God wants to restore us. He wants to do it so deeply. I'm talking about the, you know, cars and, and, and the whole, you know, restoration process of cars and, and how, you know, what a, what a beautiful thing it is to see, you know, like a, you know, 60, 70-year-old car and to see it completely restored, looking like it was brand new. That's so nice. I saw one in the parking lot tonight or, or this morning. Looked very nice. It's right next to my car. After service, if all you see is a minivan there and your car's gone, well, you know who took it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I don't steal cars. Pastor Sergio does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what he had said. <laughs> if he's watching, that was a joke. <laughs> but in this past year, I've seen many seasoned Christians do so much for God. Oh my goodness. In this past year, watching them rise up and take a stand for righteousness and start to build all over again. It was a beautiful thing and it still is. And I say, don't give up. Don't give up. There's plenty left for you to do. God wants you to impart into the next generation all that he has imparted into your lives. You have so much to offer. So much to offer that you may not even be aware of. But God knows. God knows what you are capable of through him. He knows this. Because you're built to last. He says on Isaiah 43, 19, I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. He says, he's saying, I will make a way where there is no way. How many of you have had God make a way in your life where there was no way? Oh, man. Those are those moments. Those are those moments when you can't explain how things took place. How, how this happened in your life. That's the moment where you give God praise and say, thank you, Jesus. It's all you. It's all because of you, Lord. 
See, God wants us to last. He wants our passion for Him to last. He wants our passion for reaching the lost to last. God wants our marriages to last. Amen? He wants it to last. He wants you to go the long haul. You know, I look at marriages that, you know, you know 40, 50, 60 years maybe. I mean, what, what a miracle. What a miracle. In this day and age, that is unheard of. But that's what happens when you have a marriage that is grounded and founded on God. We do this as we apply the word of God in our lives. As the worship team comes forward this morning. Back to Matthew 10, 22. Where Jesus says, he says, the one who stands firm till the end will be saved. You stand firm to the end. You endure. And Jesus says, there is salvation waiting for you. You see, and this is the great thing, is that yes, though, though our bodies go back to the earth, when we take our last breath, our soul lives eternally with, with God the Father. Why? Because you and I were built to last. You were created for that reason. You are God's, and he is yours. You are God's, and he is yours. You belong to him, and he belongs to you. You love him because he first loved you. You were created for him. And God wants to spend eternity with you. He wants to. Oh, he can't wait to spend eternity with you. And you would see all that God has in store. That this, this is just a vapor. It's just smoke, our life here. Here today, and gone the next. But eternity is forever. Eternity is forever. God has created us to last. Amen. As every head is bowed, every eye closed.